and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. But you know what? This isn't just another episode of Fountain City Sports Media. This isn't just another recap. We did it, Kansas City. We did it. Kansas City. Chad Henney did it. Andy Reid did it. Can you believe it? I am joined alongside my buddy Reese to talk about and to celebrate one of the greatest playoff wins in Kansas City Chiefs history. A 22-17 win against the Cleveland Browns. The Kansas City Chiefs advanced to their third AFC Championship game in a row where they will face the Buffalo Bills. No matter what the outcome of this game is, Patrick Mahomes has led each of his teams to at least an AFC Championship game every year he has been a starter. Oh my goodness, Reese, we have so much to talk about today. And of course, before we talk about the Bills game, let's talk about this amazing Chiefs win. First, let's just talk about the win. I mean, Reese, what were your emotions? Uh, My emotions were high, my emotions were low, my emotions were everywhere, and by the end, I was completely emotionally drained. It was... (laughs) The game was insane. Why don't don't we go... Actually, sorry, Reese. Why don't we go from the point that Patrick Mahomes gets hurt? You see him get up and start to wobble. Let's go through those emotions first. Well... I mean, do we, do we want to start there? Or do you want to talk about the fact that up until that point, the Chiefs were doing everything in the game we said they had? Did you take the Browns out to the trash can? And it, it was working, you know? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, looking back on the touchdown drives of the game, I, I if I'm not mistaken, the Chiefs looked like this. It was, okay, so it was touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, and then a missed field goal chip shot, which really... We should have gotten that one. That should have put the game basically out of reach. But, I mean, we were doing what we said last podcast, which was essentially with this offense against this defense, Kansas City should be getting at least three points every drive, which is what they were doing, and that's all they needed to, like, put this game away against the Browns. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, before that point, you are right. I mean, it was pretty easy. I was feeling good. I was already thinking about the Bills. It was 19 to 3, I believe, at that point. Actually, it was 19 to 10 at that point. But it was fine because we were already on our way to another touchdown. Like, literally, they could not stop Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, after the first half was on his way to 600 yards passing so i uh, sorry 600 yards in total offense like no not only was the passing game working but our running game was working and of course we're going to talk about that later but everything was working up until that point so yes our emotion was maybe at a zero during that time we're like all right just business as usual until the injury and then reese how did you feel? Well, what injury are we talking about? Because I'm going to say my emotions spiked downwards when Pat had his uh, toe hyperextended, and it was pretty clear after that second scoring drive that he was playing very gimpy. He, was, he wasn't stepping into his throws. He was kind of doing that weird like running to the bathroom shuffle sort of thing when he had to scramble forward, and there, there were a couple throws he short-armed, particularly, you know, it's like quick slant routes just because he couldn't step into the throws. That toe was obviously nagging him. So... At that point, if we're going to be perfectly honest, I'm like, okay, we're going to the AFC title game, but Mahomes is obviously hampered, and that's going to kill his mobility, and there's a good chance now like we might not win the 
win the AFC title game next week against the Bills. I don't know if we can do it with the hobbled Mahomes. Mainly because, I mean, you just remember what happened when uh, Cam Irvin kept stomping on Patrick's ankle for the first few games of last year. You know, we, we lost that one to the Colts. We lost that one to the Texans, all because he couldn't run. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw the toe injury or whatever, toe sprain or whatever it was, I immediately thought turf toe. And wide receivers that have turf toe do not play well for the rest of the season. So I, so me at a panic meter, maybe I was at a six, close to a seven at that point. But then on that last drive before he got the concussion or whatever we're going to go into, whatever we want to call it. It didn't seem like it was bothering him anymore. So then I started to feel a little bit better about it. Um, Now, I think going forward from what I am hearing is that that toe is not going to bother him anymore. Obviously, that that could be just playing it up. We don't have any medical records of that that is going to hold hold firm. But Andy you know, basically said that that's not an issue going forward. I think they're more concerned about the concussion protocol. But on that last drive, I, you know, it, it didn't seem to me like it like 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 it was bothering him for uh, during what I was looking at no, at least. No, I think at that point they probably you know taped it up, shot him with some cortisone, and you know the uh, the adrenaline and the endorphins <laughs> were taking over. Old, so it was probably more of like oh, Rafael my. Palomero roids. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, woof. No, but what's funny is uh for those drives when it was obviously bugging him. I bet you money like John Elway sat up in his seat and he was like, wow. Who's this six foot three guy who's a two step drop stand of the pocket quarterback? I'll trade you all my poly lockets for that guy. <laughs> no, John, no, John. <laughs> John, we actually gave you a different position in the Broncos organization so you don't have to make those decisions anymore. No, no, no. I like that guy, Brock Osweiler. Cheapers <laughs> creep. Yeah, he's watching old Brock Osweiler footage. Oh. Well, that got off the rails, but yes, that was that was very concerning for me. Um up until okay, up until that head injury. All right, now let's talk about the head injury. Okay, so at that point, okay, I, I I'm just gonna jump in and then I'll let you jump in. This whole season, I have never, never felt any sort of anxiety while watching the Chiefs. Even during those close games for the past six games, none of them did I feel hopeless. I never felt hopeless. Good word for it. When that play happened, when that play happened and I saw him come up and wobble, regardless of what the commentators were saying, right? Regardless of that, just the eye test. This was the first time the entire season that I felt hopeless like I did during the Texans games in the playoffs or when we were down by 10 in the Super Bowl. No, I I fully agree with you. It uh, It was at that point that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. Without Pat, I, you know, maybe we can squeak this game out somehow, but I'm like, the, the Bills will wreck us next week. But here's the thing that went through my mind immediately that I'm, I'm curious if this went through your mind at all. When Pat got injured, I immediately had visions of the 2017 AFC playoff game where we were playing the Titans, and it was the exact same thing. We were rolling. They couldn't stop us. And then a freak concussion took Travis Kelsey yep. out of the game. Marcus Mariota threw a pass to himself. And that game just went downhill. So I was given visions of that, but I also wondered at that point, is this the beginning of another Chiefs curse? Because you got to remember, the Chiefs would lose playoff games in this manner all the time. All the time. What, 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 all the time. What, what's uh, the BC of Patrick Mahomes? Uh, pr- PM. <laughs> pre, Pre-Mahomes. <laughs> you know, that's that's how we lost playoff games. And that's exactly yep. what I felt in this game. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've lost. This is the end of a playoff run that should be a potential Super Bowl year. 
yeah even like watching Steelers Chiefs back in the day it was like we were doing everything well and then so it would just be one thing like, like Alex Smith played extremely well during those games better than than we could ever ask him to play and then one one thing would just ruin it so yeah I totally get it I wasn't necessarily thinking that I was just thinking like Oh boy, like you know what? This is this is the season. It's over. But I'm very happy with the season because, you know, basically the Browns didn't beat us, you know. Patrick Mahomes is out. He has a concussion. He's not coming back. Like they didn't beat us, but boy, what a what a blow. What a blow was what I was thinking. Well, that was the other thing too is that this game felt like it was in command. This Browns team was who we thought they were, which is not a good team yet. You know, they've got some good parts on them, but they're not a good team yet. And we were making that very obvious but when pat was out of the game and you know then chubb and hunt started getting a little bit of momentum and our defense started getting a little bruised and banged up man it was it really felt to me hopeless i thought it was done okay so we so we both agree panic level was maybe at a 10 at that point and like we said we hadn't we hadn't felt those pains since the super bowl like it was it's been almost a year then all of a sudden we have the man of the week the man possibly of the year we have chad henney Chad Henney coming in, who we thought maybe not even play. We we actually thought that maybe Matt Moore might get a snap, but boy, was that Chad Henney coming in was amazing. And also going back into Pat sitting for the Chargers game and having Chad have reps. If Chad would have come into that game, it would have been almost a year since Chad would have seen the field. Yeah, Chad Henney would have been a straight cold coming into that game, so I'm lucky he got that Week 17 action. And all things considered, he didn't look terrible in Week 17 like we've talked about. Now, again, he didn't look like a guy who could have won us a full game, I didn't think, but he did just enough to win. I mean, he he threw, what was it, uh, he was 6 of 8 for 66 yards in relief, albeit he threw that straight rip. Hug, <laughs> rip, hug, arm punt, and it was at that point I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is done. They're gonna march down the field. <laughs> yeah, and go no, ahead. at that point I definitely thought that it was over, and I I was seeing memes of of Chad of that throne and saying Terry kills down there somewhere. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> not into three dudes somewhere, Chad. I'm sorry, but I, I do have that to, was bad. I do have to say he did just enough to win. And, you know, for every boneheaded play he did, he had a hero moment. And that's the big thing that that fills me with joy about this game is that the Kansas City Chiefs post-1970, pre-2018, find a way or lose that game 100 times out of 100. So the fact that they won that game despite all odds, I mean, doesn't it still feel like a new era of the Kansas City Chiefs? Absolutely. Look, we can beat you with Patrick Mahomes. We can beat you with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, CEH, Daryl Williams now. And now we can add to that list. We can beat you in a playoff game with Chad Henney on fourth and one. This is a completely different team. This is a team that we've never seen before. I mean, if you think of, of Patrick Mahomes and people compare him to Tom Brady, when did a Tom Brady backup ever come in and do something like this in Tom Brady's stead to then propel Tom Brady to a Super Bowl? I mean, I I, I know there were some Brian Hoyer years at, at one point. I know that. But in but in a season where Tom Brady has maybe gone for a game and someone has to step up in his stead, I mean, you 
You just can't calculate that and you can't compare it with Chad Henney alongside Andy Reid with a non-conservative playbook with a backup quarterback. That is something we haven't seen before. This is this is not only a new Kansas City Chiefs team. This is a new NFL team. I agree. Fully agree. So going okay, so now so now let's go into that play to kind of dissect it even more. So before the fourth and one, right, it was what, third and fifteen or something. And the play looked pretty hopeless. Play looked hopeless until Chad Henney pulls a Patrick Mahomes and and sees the the middle of the field wide open and rushes. I mean, how many times does a backup quarterback like basically go through all of his checkdowns, doesn't see anything, and then create something out of nothing? Like what an amazing play something that's going to stick in Kansas City history that's an incredible football move you don't necessarily see from a lot of backup quarterbacks and that's the biggest thing that frustrates me when a backup comes in versus your starting quarterback is a lot of times you'll see a, you know a starting quarterback like you said make his reads see there's open field and say wow I'm gonna try for that open field but even you know last year with Matt Moore bless his heart the thing I always wanted to do was tuck, run, and scramble, and he seemed adverse to doing that. I don't know why, but Henny saw that open side of the field. I mean, I tell you what, there was real estate for days, and he said, screw it, Chad Henny's down there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, even that already would have gotten Chad Henny a free Z-man oh. at Kansas City Joe's. But not only that happens, then we go fourth and one. Okay, oh. it looks like they're just going to... They're they're just going to waste clock, call the timeout and then kick the punt and have Baker Mayfield come in with, I think, like a minute 30 left, maybe on the 10 if if Townsend comes in. Then all of a sudden, Andy Reid says, check this out and then does a curl out for Tyree Kill on fourth and one with Chad Henny. I don't know Chad Henny's middle name. I was going to... How about Chad William Henny? <laughs> I just made that up. Maybe I shouldn't say it. I don't know. Chad Henny on fourth and one. A backup quarterback. Reese, I'm going to go through some quarterbacks' names that are starting quarterbacks, and you tell me if you trust them on fourth and one in a playoff game. Cam Newton. Nope. Carson Wentz. Nope. Philip Rivers. Nope. Okay, these are all very good quarterbacks. Obviously, a lot better than Chad Henney. But Andy Reid trusted Chad Henney. EB trusted Chad Henney. Kafka trusted Chad Henney. Well, it's incredible because it's the exact same play they rolled out to ice the game against the Miami Dolphins back in, what was that, week uh, 14, week 15? Yeah, 14, yeah. So, first off, let, let's break this down. Like you said, Chad Henney won that big run, and it was it wasn't even fourth and one; it was fourth and like half a yard. And now watching that replay, do you know how excruciatingly close he was to diving for that first down? Oh, I and, and and even going through the the replay, I still thought he was. I thought I still thought it was a first down. I know his his elbow got down, but at that point, the the ball had still progressed. Yeah, my, my thing is, I saw I saw two angles that he had the ball past the first down marker when his elbow went down, and one angle that said he was down before the first down marker. I mean, I guess they're going to stick with the call on the field. Uh, but in that situation, I would have preferred they would have just given it to him, obviously. But like you said, what quarterback do you trust that with on that fourth and half yard? It, it's one thing that they were able to execute that play, but the shaman Tony Romo just sitting there being like, oh, there's no way they call the play. <laughs> but do you know what sold this? 
If you go back and listen to the game film at about 15 seconds left on the clock, Chad Henney yells, no play, guys, no play. And then at about eight seconds so is when he walks it? up and snaps the ball. So that's no so, way. That's a glorified trick play right there. I, I guarantee you, I'll send you the link after this. We'll post it on the Insta. You hear Chad Reese. This is breaking news. I've, I've been watching, or I've been listening to Kansas City Radio all day, and I, I have not heard that yet. Clear as day. Referees. Breaking news right here exclusively found City Sports Media. So Chad Henney put all that together. And that's amazing. Do you, do you know how easy it would have been to like have someone jump off sides? The fact that he was so strict oh, yeah. on his hard counts there. But then I also got to give him credit for executing the pass. Do you know how easy it would have been just to let that ball slip out of his fingers or to loft it over Tyreek Hill's head just enough that he has to go up for it and then he can't turn and run and get that first? That, that, that entire sequence of events is nothing short of, like, a, a, a miracle of life. It feels like how your circulatory system should just stop working at any second, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like, if, if that play or if that sequence of events was done 500 times, I think that would be successful 50. 50 out of 500, honestly. Oh. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, literally amazing. Fate was on our side. I mean, I, it just just an amazing win for Kansas City, like I said. Like, I think Kansas City would have been happy even if we didn't get that win because Kansas City knew that we gave it our all. Patrick Mahomes gave it his all. The Browns didn't actually beat us, right? But for Chad Henney to go out there and to play a Browns team that was that that was basically rolling, like Pat, like Baker Mayfield looked good third quarter on, except for kind of at the end of the fourth quarter, he, he he had plenty of opportunity to come back and he tried to and it didn't work out. And the fact that they had a hungry Browns team, a very formidable defense and Chad Henney was still able to produce is amazing. I mean, such an amazing game. I'm still super high from this game. Um, I mean, a whole, like, holy moly, holy moly, Kansas City. Enjoy that win. Enjoy every moment. Absolutely. Now, the question I have to ask you on this, do you think, barring the Patrick Mahomes concussion protocol, if Chad Henney starts next week, can we beat the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> I know. Just just think about that for a second. I, I it's not fun to think about. You know. Okay. I'm. I think that it would be a close game. I don't think it would be a Bills um, shutout or a Bills blowout. But I think the Bills would win that. But because the last time we played the Bills, our running game was insane. I think that we could stand a chance. But no, I would. I would not bet on the Chiefs. Unfortunately. Yeah, I would give us uh, at best a at best a twenty five percent chance of winning the game with Matt Henney. Would your yep. mind be changed if we started Matt Moore? As I just want to bring uh, up, I knew <laughs> he, he played two and a half games for us last year. He closed out the Denver game. He kept us in that Packers game against Aaron Rodgers. That Packers we had game, yep. no business being in, and he pulled out that Vikings heartbreaker at Arrowhead. That was big. So he was. Technically, like we'll call him like one, one, and one and a half, or sorry, one, one, and one half. <laughs> you know. So, do you I, I knew, I knew you were gonna talk about this, Reese. I just had an, a, a feeling. Now, let me, let me um, tell the viewers what I told you today. Um, Andy Reid said that having Matt Moore versus Chad Henney as the backup quarterback for the 2020 season was a coin flip. 
a coin flip. So, so yes, I think as a starter, Matt Moore, if we take the 2019 Matt Moore, yes, we would stand a better chance with the Bills. Now, do I really know the insides of Andy Reid's brain? No, I, I, I really don't know why he specifically chose Chad Henney. But yes, I would have chosen Matt Moore to start a game over Chad Henney. Yeah, you know, it's when it comes down to brass tacks, Andy Reid knows better than all of us. Playing devil's advocate to myself, I would say I could also tell you that we should have been starting Willie Gay Jr. all season instead of Neiman. But they seem to have... Oh, a, for sure. But, you know, then at the same time, I have to say, well, I have to trust they have a reason for starting Neiman over Gay. So, I mean, this this could all be moot. You know, we'll see what happens with the Pat Mahomes injury, if he comes back to play against the Bills or not. Let's just... Knocking on wood in front of me. Let's just hope that's not the situation come game time. Sure. No, and and honestly, Reese, you the the conversation that we're having today, I, th- I think, was pretty valid because you're right. And even Andy even addressed it today and said that you know it uh, Chad Henney versus Matt Moore is a coin flip. Not only that, the reason why he chose Chad Henney was because Chad Henney is the better backup. He is a better backup fit. So that doesn't mean that Chad Henney is the better quarterback per se. It just means that Chad Henney is a better backup, whatever that means in game preparation, helping Patrick Mahomes um, during the game. I think those things are things that Andy Reid sees as more important than, hey, uh, Patrick might be out of the game for five, you know, for five weeks. So I, I, I think that's where he's going. But also at the same time, I think Andy agrees with us. Like Matt Moore's a great talent and probably is the better starter. Yeah, it's it's so weird because. You know, I I guess Henny came in and he definitely had the cojones and the heroics and the wherewithal to close out that game. He was he was put in a bases uh, he put he was put in a situation man on first and third with only one out in the ninth inning, and he had to come in and close that thing up, which he did. Now on the other hand, it's like, does he look like a starter when he plays? Even in that week seventeen against the Chargers game. Uh, it's hard to say because he was playing with a lot of second string guys, but I can tell you at least last year watching Matt Moore play for those two and a half games, Matt Moore did look like a high floor, low ceiling level starter, you know? Yeah. 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 Chad, Chad Henney to me seems like the guy that when Pat goes out, Chad Henney goes to Andy and says, okay, what do you need me exactly to do? As opposed to Matt Moore, where Matt Moore says, let me go out there and make a play where Chad Henney is like, sir. Okay. What is, what should we do now? You know, as opposed to Matt Moore being a little more free and maybe more of an individual in that sense and keeping to the baseball analogy the way that game was going Patrick Mahomes was on the verge of throwing a no hitter through about five and two-thirds innings when suddenly you know he got injured and he wound up having to get Tommy Johns or something and in that situation like do you throw another starter in to close that game out no you put a guy in from the bullpen which I think Henny is a better bullpen arm than Matt Moore. You know, you, you leave that starter arm, you know, you leave the starter arm for the start, so to say. Right, right, right. So so we'll we'll end up seeing what happens. I know that Andy Reid said today that Chad Henney will start in the case that Patrick Mahomes is out, um, but let's hope it doesn't get to that case. Let's, let's move on to Patrick Mahomes, actually. So we're recording this on a Monday, so when you guys hear this, it may be different, but just so you know where we stand right now, um, Patrick Mahomes is in concussion protocol. Uh, there was a report out today from uh, 60 
610 radio that Patrick Mahomes had cleared all of his concussion protocol tests on Sunday during the game and that it could be a nerve issue and not a concussion, uh, which would be contrary to what we heard the commentators say yesterday. Uh, <laughs> Jim Nance said, if that wasn't a wasn't a concussion i don't know what a concussion is reese did that look like a concussion to you well that's what i gotta figure out here is if he's just going off the fact that it sounds like a honking bird he says well that's a duck you know then okay you could be right but going back on replay you see it's not a duck because it doesn't look like a duck and it doesn't walk like a duck okay what, what i'm getting with this crazy analogy is for those of you who watched when Patrick Mahomes tried to get up, he was down for a second, ironically in the Yamcha position after he gets blown up by the Cybermen in Dragon Ball Z. Shout out to my Dragon Ball Z fans. Anyway, then when he tries to get up, <laughs> he looks exactly like Ivan Drago trying to beat the count in Rocky Four. And I say that because he gets up and he immediately like his legs jelly under him. So that's why I get, okay, he looks like he's stunned a concussion. He doesn't know where he is. But when you go back on replay, which they have to have access to up in that booth for as long as this was going on, you don't see Pat get hit in the head, and you don't see Pat's head really touch the ground at all. I mean, I've seen some angles where like, well, it kind of looks like it might kiss the ground here, and I'm like, okay, but that's not enough to knock a dude out like that. I was thinking from the immediate replay, it looked like the dude was trying to wrench Pat's helmet off of his head. And what I'm seeing in a lot of like amateur neurologist comments in these sections is that it looks like Pat just got legitimately Vulcan nerve pinched. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it hasn't been confirmed that it was a nerve pinch. This is a source from 610 Radio, uh, but the video would indicate that it really looks like something like a chokehold over something like a slam of the head. It really looks like he has his head, you know, somewhere in the back of the neck is maybe squeezing him which then would um, deprive him of oxygen which would make sense that he was woozy coming up and then of course that with the adrenaline of not being able to play during the game you know during that concussion protocol having those two things in mind I can see Patrick Mahomes not passing you know whatever his borderline test is for concussions um, and look Andy Andy is very um He's very stone cold when he talks to the to the media. But when something is wrong, you can tell Andy's voice. Andy will say whether something is wrong or not. And the way that he addressed Patrick Mahomes today, he did not seem worried. He did not seem worried. 610 reports did, doesn't seem worried. I'm going to say right now on a Monday that Patrick Mahomes is going to be fine for Sunday. Well, and another thing we got to mention is like, like you alluded to, you know, he passed the protocols yesterday during the game. Well, why didn't he go back in then? Some people might ask. Guys, like I just mentioned, when you saw him get up and then fall over trying to get up, there was no chance on this green earth, the NFL or the Chiefs from a PR standpoint, were going to let Patrick Mahomes trot back out on that field he was done great point great point he was done they would never live it down great point especially after lamar jackson got into concussion protocol the 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 day before i mean imagine uh, imagine that you know L lamar jackson's not able to go out his team loses patrick mahomes t patrick mahomes is allowed to go out and win the game and may look woozy you know that 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 would be awful and a pr nightmare you're right for the nfl and honestly 
a a a pinch nerve when that happens a pinch nerve is not fun so if he had some pitch nerve altercation like he probably couldn't even move his neck at that point you know what i mean and not not to scare kansas city fans i know people can play through pinch nerves but at the point that it happens i mean come on like he, he probably couldn't have gone back anyway well and the important thing to remember too and this is me being amateur neurologist now is that you like neurons work with electricity right so if he gets hit in some sort of major nerve or pressure point in the neck, running at high speeds like that when he's not expecting it, that's essentially like overloading his entire electrical system with electrical charges. It's like opening one of the gates from Naruto. Shout out to my Naruto fans. This is an anime <laughs> podcast. Jeez, now Reese we've is taken going this full over. nerd mode. <laughs> going full nerd Jeez, mode. He's going full the, the, the nerd point, mode right now. Uh, fine. For people that watched Osmosis Jones, I am using Osmosis Jones now. <laughs> as my like barometer for my medical science here. The scene where he's chasing the dude and he fires his gun and he hits the power lines inside of Frank and Frank like overloads. That's exa- that's the kid's version of what just happened to Pat. Oh my goodness. I have I have nothing to add to that, Reese. I don't watch any of that stuff. All I do is play video games. Still better break down and commentary the Jim Nance and Tony Romo. That is funny. All right. Okay. So to kind of end the Patrick Mahomes segment, we are we are praying every prayer we can to you, Patrick Mahomes. We hope you are well because I we just clearly said we we cannot win that game without you. So there we go. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast, and I mean that in all sincerity. It's not self-appointed. It's Facebook and Instagram poll approved everyone's favorite time of the podcast. And that is, of course, the beer review segment where we sit down and we review a beer and tell you all about it. And today's person sitting in the Suds McKenzie hot seat is none other than Hot Take Mondo. Hot Take Mondo, what beer do you have today? So today is is special because I, I got the beer from a local liquor store that I go to and when I worked at Weldworks and was a beer buyer for them or a beer seller, sorry, um, I I got to know the people there pretty well. So every time I go in, they, they, they see me and I was just looking for some crushable beers for the for the Chiefs game. I was like, hey, man, can I just get, you know, whatever, a Pilsner or a lager? And he was like, oh, no, I got something in the back for you. So today I am drinking a special beer from the back of Coltrane Liquor and Wine. It is second setting by Half Acre Beer Company in Chicago, Illinois. And second setting is an Imperial IPA. You know, you don't hear a whole bunch of the breweries coming out of Chicago, which I think is kind of weird, you know, for being the third biggest city in the country. You think they'd have a pretty thriving yeah. beer scene. Not saying for, they, any- you know, they, they, they do have like, th- I think three of them that really do well when it comes to like the Imperial Stout scene, like uh, Jester King, I know is a good one. And um, Revolution, I think is also a very good one, but you're right for the most part, you know, it's not like Colorado, even Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City might have more breweries the paradoxical kansas city beer scene has actually improved since covid began there's been more good breweries popping up so it's 
It's just kind of weird. And uh, I, I am not uh, by any means, you know, spitting on our friends of the brewery in Chicago. <laughs> I, I'm just saying we just regards, lost our Chicago contingent. Exactly. No, we love our Chicago contingent. I'm just saying, like, I am very surprised there's not some sort of, you know, like New Belgium or even like toppling Goliath sized brewery of like si- serious notoriety coming out of Chicago. We all know Goose Island and those guys, right. you know, but. You get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think, I think microbrewery wise, you're right. There is only maybe two or three reputable ones, but yeah, I guess there should be a little more. Yeah, there should be. There should be. I've had good beers out of Chicago, but I, I, I'm going so far down this rabbit hole. I'm, uh, I'm double doinking myself. <laughs> Anyway. Do you remember? Say, speak about double doink. Do you remember when Goose Island did the uh, the field goal challenge when Cody Parkey did the double doink, oh. and then they had like uh, if if you were able to make a thirty yard field goal, they put it out in their parking lot. Then you had you were able to get free Goose Island for the year. Zero people made a thirty yard field goal. They had thousands of people there. Zero actually made an NFL thirty yard field goal. And see, that blows my mind. It's like you're telling me that like there wasn't some beer nerd playing on like the Northwestern men's soccer team who just showed up as a ringer and just, you know, drilled a 30 yarder for some free beer. <laughs> That's crazy. But it also shows like, I guess how difficult because there had to, there had to have been, you know, a varsity soccer player or someone that played football, you know, at some point. So uh, yeah, I guess it goes to show you. All right, Cody Parkey. Absolutely. I, I just remember that one video, like the first guy up just like slipped and completely ate it on the ice. That <laughs> yeah. Was <pretty> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny. All right. Well, that's pretty funny. Before I get too sidetracked talking about Chicago breweries, first thing on our beer review is aroma. Crack that bad boy open and tell me what he smells like. Yes, sir. Okay, aroma is is great. Um, I don't know this guy very well that works there, but apparently he knows me well because this is the IPA that I love. Why do I love it? Because it has Nelson Sauvin hops in it. And boy, do I love a good Nelson hop. The reason why? Lovely fruit notes. I get melon. I get grape. I get uh, a little bit of orange as well. I mean, you, you everyone's the the thousand people that have listened to this podcast know that I love a tasty Nelson hop. So yeah, all the wonderful flavors I am smelling. The Nelson Hopkins Museum of Fine Hops. <laughs> but it's, I will give it. I actually haven't had a, a Nelson hop IPA in a while. Uh, I've been kind of kicking back some Pilsners, like I said, some some cervezas from Native Brewery, some random place here in Colorado. Um, so this is great. I love it. Give me a 8.7. Now, you mentioned that Nelson hop, which isn't very common, all things considered. Correct. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot with a question, but you and Kyle usually knock these out. So for our listeners at home who are curious about the Nelson hop, can you mention any mass distro beers they might be able to find that feature that hop Ooh, um you know it, it's hard because you're right nelson hop is rare nelson hop is from new zealand um there are there are big like national distro hop places that will then you know buy it from smaller companies in new zealand so that it is readily available for people um and I really can't name a national distro um, IPA that has it because um, the the Nelson hop will not be in a lager. It won't be in a stout, obviously. Um, it's mainly only in IPAs because of the dankness. Um, but even like 
New Belgium. I, I I really can't name any New Belgium ones. Odell, I can't name. Uh, Boulevard, I don't even know if Boulevard puts any Nelson hops, maybe in some of your specialty ones, but yeah. not in your single wide, not in... So I honestly can't think. I, I actually think it's a very micro hop that you can only get from these micro brews. Yeah. You have to live in a place like Colorado or out in California or or just wait. This <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I'm like sure I'm so wrong. I... I bet like Bud Light Platinum has Nelson <laughs> Hop in it or something. Or even better, there's like probably some microbrewery in Chicago that's famous for their Nelson Hop IPAs. We just don't know about it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I literally can't name any. I'm, I'm gonna look while we while we talk. If you folks know of any Mass Distro Nelson Hop IPAs, feel free to hit us up at uh on Twitter at Fountain City SM or on Instagram at Fountain City SM. Hey. Okay, so number two, appearance. What does this beer look like when you stare at it? Okay. It is lovely. So it doesn't say that this is a hazy IPA. It just says it's a double IPA. But by the look of it, I mean, this is completely hazy. I cannot see through the other side of the glass. It is it is incredibly, incredibly um, thick, very cloudy, um, kind of muddy almost. So that means that there's just a ton of hop in it. That looks beautiful. I, I love this. Give me a 9.2 on the appearance. Ooh, and may I add, check out this can art, dude. So I don't know what second setting might mean, but you can see this beautiful rose followed by a beautiful cactus followed by an old man in this like has like a, a wolf hat on like he like he killed a wolf and then made it into a hat. Yeah, the can art on that reminds me a whole lot of like the opening stained glass segment of beauty and the beast down to the fact that there's like a rose on there. <laughs> I mean, that rose actually looks like very similar. I think Disney needs to call half acre and get their, uh, uh, get their rights back or whatever. <laughs> Has anyone trademarked beauty and the yeast yet? Or are we going to do that? <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Beauty and the yeast. Oh, that's too good. That is too good. I'm going to look that up. Well, trademarked. Brought to you by Fountain City Sports. Actually, Media. I don't want to. I'm not going to look that up. Never mind. That's a bad idea. Yeah, it's, it's probably uh, you'll need some eye bleach after that. All right. Anyway, for for those of you that I mean, I don't know if we have any Chicago contingent, but I mean, look up Half Acre. This is really good can art, like very, very detailed and intricate and just very, very hipster. So love it. Good. Good job, Half Acre. All right. Number three, flavor. Oh, yeah, that's good. All right. So this, you get a, a ton of different flavors. You get the orange. You get the grape. Um, a little bit of the orange rind as well. The dankness as well. Um, a, a ton, there's a ton of flavor in here. I'm sure there's even some stuff that I'm missing. Let me do one, another one. Yeah, you get melon, almost like cotton candy too. It's so it's so sugary, but honestly, it's 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 a subtle sugar. You don't get it right on the tongue, like maybe like a candy bar. Mm -hmm. It's almost like an aroma of of cotton candy. Um, that is super good, awesome. Yeah, give me a uh, nine point one. So it sounds like the flavor is something worthy of the back of a liquor store when the guy says he has something special for you <laughs> uh, he he was not joking correct yeah, <laughs> breaking so you, news he knew what he was talking about you're lucky because last time someone at a liquor store said hey come in the back i got something special for you i woke up in an alley without a kidney <laughs> <laughs> i gotta start going to your liquor stores dude 
<laughs> okay, wait. Un, uh, the, un, unrelated to that funny joke, but back to your original question. Where can people find a beer with um, with the Nelson Hop? Uh, for our Kansas City viewers, I know you guys get Toppling Goliath a lot in Kansas City now. Um, so go to your liquor store and try Toppling Goliath's Fire Skulls and Monkey. Oh my that gosh, Fire has, Skulls and Money! Yeah, oh sorry, Money, not Monkey. I had yep. that when I went there... Uh, like six months ago that stuff is no pun intended straight fire yeah, no yeah so i i'm looking at a, a list and there's literally 50 beers on here and they are all micro so i you actually can't get it national distro but for our kansas city viewers i know that uh toppling goliath you can get a lot of it in kansas city so yeah go to your craft liquor store and get that uh, Toppling Goliath. Oh, well, that that made me very excited. And, and now that you mention it, that was a very special IPA that I had amongst the other IPAs I had there. And I think the reason probably is the Nelson Hop sitting there that I didn't know about. So noise, man, noise, the more, the you, more you know, know, the more, you know, oh, OK, so mouth feel that guy looks pretty hazy. Does he feel pretty thick and hazy in your mouth? Let's let's find out. Yeah, you know what? It is. It is pretty thick. I think the the cotton candy aftertaste that you get, which I'm sure I'll talk about later in the aftertaste section, um, that kind of gives it a lightness as well. So I like the the dank and the cotton candy mixed with the fullness of all the hop kind of sitting in there. So um, it's a nice balance, and I really enjoy it. This is, I mean, this is a fantastic beer. It is very good. Nine point three. Oh wow! Did you throwing out the nines everywhere tonight? Yeah, this, this is, is a, this is solid. This is insane beer. <laughs> All right, then the next thing up we have is aftertaste. How does that guy taste coming back up in comparison to how it goes down? Any notable differences? You know, it, it's still very smooth on the back half. It, there is nothing that changes for me. Uh, very sweet, very smooth, um, very full. You know, I guess I guess you get a little bit more sweetness on the back because because I guess I, I, I don't know why, but it just it just is more sweet on the back and it's wonderful. As you as you all know, I'm I'm pretty basic. I don't I don't like too much crispiness. I don't like too much dankness. I don't like too much sharpness in my beers. Um, so because of the smoothness and you know, because of that grape flavor, the cotton candy um, <laughs> actually untapped. I was reading goes really into it and talks about this is much like a Mar Marlboro grown Sauvignon blanc grape <laughs> which i can't say i can't say that i i get that i see when you said marble i thought you're gonna go like straight to like swisher sweets or something like that i'm like ew <laughs> this this is straight tobacco <laughs> yeah man it's so good yeah just great oh wait this isn't a beer this is chew <laughs> <laughs> oh woof no nah, i'm just kidding so yeah I, I, it's just funny how like they go into so much detail and i i, I really can't distinguish grapes anyway so um but it tastes in, it's incredible very sweet on the on the back i like it right. give me a 8.8 8.8 all right i like that well last but not least in honor of our chicago brewery brethren the bdq the bears doink quality uh what <laughs> what's the bears doink quality on that you know, Half Acre, I'm very happy to have this beer. I've never had any of your beers, and I really look forward to having more of your beers because this is an amazing beer, uh, of course, with the Nelson hop, and I'm sure there's more hops in there that I'm missing. Uh, but this is a solid beer. So all of you in the Chicago area or who get Half Acre, seek this out. BDQ on it, 9.5. Oof. Oof, man, the aggregate of this beer is just through the roof. Second setting, baby. Double IPA. I'm going to have fun drinking this throughout the podcast. Mm -hmm. 
show. We have a special guest today. In fact, I don't think we've ever done this before where we have a a foe perhaps on the podcast that is going to give us some insight maybe on what to expect for the next week. Today we have Buffalo Mike here today. Buffalo Mike is a good friend of mine. Uh, as most of you know, uh, I'm an opera singer and I have sung with with Buffalo Mike uh, actually here in Colorado. We had a good time. But Mike, tell us about your, your Bills fandom and tell us why you are worthy of telling us about the Buffalo Bills. Well, I like that Buffalo Mike. Thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> so... Well, so um, my my whole family's been Bills fans. I, I grew up in uh, Rochester, New York, which is upstate, so uh, pretty close to Buffalo. Um, so I've been a Bills fan, sort of. I didn't have a choice at birth. Um, and <laughs> I don't I think mean, anybody has a choice to be a Bills fan, right? You have no, to you have to live there. But I guess I guess one of my, I mean, honestly, one of my very first memories of watching football is the Music City Miracle. Oh, I'm sorry. Where, yeah, that's probably my <laughs> earliest football memory. And, and then the next 20 years after that were just, I mean, filled with, you know, just horrible, horrible teams. So And this, and, and you were saying that your, your dad actually saw the first Bills game at the new stadium? Yeah, so my dad, my dad grew up in Orchard Park, which is where the Bills stadium was. The, the original stadium was called the Rock Pile, which I believe was in downtown Buffalo. And I know he told me he went to the last game at the Rock Pile and then the new... And then the first game at the new stadium, which is now, it keeps changing names, but I think now it's called Bill Stadium, and that's in Orchard Park. Shout out to stadiums that aren't corporately named. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was New Era Field last year, I think, and then, I don't know, there must have been some... Didn't they go name. bankrupt and cease to exist? Is that what happened? That, I, that I think sense. so, isn't it? Or is it maybe, okay. maybe New Era Stadium. I'm thinking of Sports Authority. I don't know anything about Bill's history. <laughs> Well, New Era is a Buffalo company. I didn't. I don't know if they went. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So, Mike. So, 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 before we talk about the Chiefs matchup, I just want to know, as a Bills fan, like watching Josh Allen's progression from last year to this year, and seeing this Bills team, what what is different about the the 2019 Bills team to the 2020 team? Well, let me start off by saying I was a. Really, I was really against the pick of Josh Allen. Really, I, thought, I mean, it was it was it was the typical like he's looks good in shorts. You know, he's got the huge arm. You know, no accuracy. Hasn't you know didn't play. He played at Wyoming, which it's Division One, but it's like uh, similar to whatever where Carson once played or whatever North Dakota State. But so they brought him along really slowly, and specifically from last year to this year, I mean, I think his I know his completion percentage. Last year was around 59%. This year it's almost 70%. So that's a 10% increase. That's he's crazy. He's thrown about 17 more touchdown passes, I think. He, he's always run for, you know, between like 8 and 10 touchdowns. So, but he threw probably 1,500 more yards. I mean, the development is really, it's it's unparalleled. Especially for like a year, year three quarterback to develop in that way. It's almost like Patrick Mahomes, perhaps. Yeah, but... <laughs> yes, but, <laughs> but Mahomes did it in year two, really, is when he, wasn't that his I MVP know. year? Year two, yep. yeah. Yeah, year two. It's really uncommon, like, historically for any quarterback to make that big of a jump from year two to year three. It usually happens from year one to year two, so. But also, I mean, they they built a team around him two years ago. They brought in John Brown, and 
Cole Beasley, and then this year they they traded for stuff on Diggs. So I mean, that's made a huge difference. So as as a Bills fan. Um, being in the, I, I don't remember when the last time you guys were in the AFC championship, but I know it's been like, obviously quite a while. I mean, what, it, what, what, what were the emotions on Saturday actually? Cause you were watching the game. We were texting back and forth. I mean, yeah. what were the emotions like you and your family watching that game and you're going to the AFC championship? Yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, I had a, I had a few too many beers probably before the game <laughs> just to calm the nerves. I mean, honestly, like I, as a fan, like, I've never experienced the stress of the playoffs like that because 2017 was the first time we made the playoffs and it was just, like, a fluke that we, you know, sort of happened in. And last year was stressful, but you didn't think that we would do any damage. This year, I kind of, you know, all year long, we've been, like, I think most fans that have been paying attention to the NFL closely have been waiting for this Buffalo-Kansas City rematch. So it was, I mean, that was about as stressed as I've ever been and... But I, I, I went up state and I watched it with my family, which was pretty fun, and we were going wild. We had a Zoom call with – we were wa- watching it simultaneously with some other f- family and friends, so it was fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, I've got to drop some history here to set the stage. Armando, you mentioned when was the last time the Bills were in the AFC Championship game? Yeah. I need to drop a little bit of history here. The year was 1994 against the Kansas City Chiefs and Joe Montana – in a game with another concussed Chiefs quarterback, go figure, you know? Wow. So, I don't know, the stars are aligning or something. <laughs> Montana was concussed in that one, too? He, he got concussed in the game, yeah. They went down, I think they lost, uh, okay. uh geez, hold on, what was it? It was, yeah, 30-13. Yeah, 30-13, just looked it up. Yeah. So, wow. That was, what was that, the, was that the number four of four the Bills went to the Super Bowl in a row? That w- yeah, that would have been their, their fourth consecutive and final Super Bowl. So, the 90s. Shout out to season. Jim Kelly. Okay, all right. So, Mike, so you've you've talked about the history now. Before we talk about the game, actually, tell us why. <laughs> tell us why the first game we played, you guys, and and I don't need to rub it in. I mean, it was it was a pretty good game for the Chiefs. Tell us why that Bills team, though, is different now than they were when we, uh, for a lack of a better term, destroyed you. I wouldn't call a nine point deficit destroying us <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> I'm just teasing Buffalo Mike here. Buffalo Mike and I are friends. (laughs) The thing I'll say is like, so the weather is plays such an impact in Buffalo and that game was, was really rainy and really, and the wind has a huge effect on games in Buffalo. So basically that eliminated the pass game. And I mean, the basically the, the bills game plan that game was to let the chiefs was to bait the chiefs into running the ball. And I'm assuming McDermott didn't think that Andy Reid would do it, but he did. He did it, and they ran. You guys ran all over us. Like it was pretty. The bad. homecoming of Clyde <laughs> Edwards Elaire, perhaps. Yeah, really. But I. So I mean, the difference is I think that the Bills have the only passing game. Maybe maybe the, the Packers too, but have the only passing game that can actually keep up with the Chiefs, and maybe could even be better. So I think the and and additionally. The Bills' defense had a lot of changes up front um, from last year to this year, and they really have started to come on strong um, and are playing their best ball at the end of the year. So I think, I mean, with Mahomes, I don't know, you know, I think you just got to score with him. So I think the Bills have as good of a shot as anyone to score with him. And if you look at the line, like right now the line is, I think, Chiefs plus three, yeah. And, you know, that's really a typical, like, as far as like the betting odds go, that's pretty typical, just of a home team advantage. So, I think it's a I think it's a pick'em game. 
personally. I, uh, I, I was listening to Kansas City Radio today, and they were listening to Buffalo Radio. And apparently, Buffalo Radio kept saying how um, Milano, is it Anthony Milano? What's his Matt first Milano, name? Is it yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Milano. Milano? That Matt Milano did not play the first game, and that you guys are really hyped that Matt Milano is going to be playing linebacker this game. I mean, is that really going to be the biggest difference in the game? Because you guys didn't have Matt Milano and obviously friend of the podcast, Trent Murphy, who basically destroyed Lamar Jackson. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess I'll just leave it at that. But Trent Murphy is also probably going to be playing tomorrow. I would imagine because the Trent Trent is actually sacked Patrick Mahomes in a preseason game as well. Um, so you guys will have a lineup core that we have not seen before. I mean, what what is your opinion of Matt Milano before we talk about your great offense? So Matt Milano, he was I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick out of Boston College converted safety. And he is they have they play two line, but, you know, they play a nickel nickel base package. So. He's one of the two linebackers, and he's about as good sideline to sideline and as a coverage linebacker as there is in the NFL. Also, I heard the stat, too, that he the Bills are undefeated when he's played this year. Rut row. I think he missed four games, and they, three of them were the Bills' losses, the Chiefs, the Titans, and then uh, he, he was out against Arizona. So he, I, I, do I think that he's going to single-handedly change the game? No, but... He is a he's an important player, and Trent Murphy's been inactive for much of the year, but he uh, he came on big against. Uh, against yeah, the he Ravens. played really well. Yeah, shout out yeah. to Trent. I know. Uh, I mean, actually, this is this is full disclosure. We actually almost had Trent Murphy on the podcast, but Trent does not do podcasts. So, so I actually went to school with Trent and had one class with him. I'm not going to say we were friends. I, I don't think we hung out at all. But but I mean, we uh, here at Found City Sports Media, we did reach out to him, and uh, he uh, was not able to be on the podcast, but he's a good guy. So we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, Mike, so in, in conclusion there, before we get to a full-fledged debate, possibly, give us the reason why the Bills may win on Sunday. I think the bill. I think well, the the Mahomes injury really throws a whole wrench into this, and I think makes it even because the thing to remember about this injury is like he's he's playing with a there's a toe injury too, right? Either way, yeah, and that really could affect his mobility. Not not that he's a huge runner, but he he you know so much of his game is off script, similar to Allen, and so if he's limited his mobility, that could I don't know you know you get a couple three and outs here, or you you know force a punt here that might might have not happened i think if the bills offense is clicking they could they can definitely hang with the chiefs and you know <laughs> at the end of the game i don't know the bills have been they've been getting a lot of turn uh, takeaways recently which you know statistically come in bunches so i'll you know i think the bills are a live underdog i'll put it that way if i, I if i were gonna put my money i'd still put my money on the chiefs but i i think i think everyone's gonna underestimate and i think they're a live dog Okay, Reese, to, to to provoke some debate, do you think that Chiefs by three is is fair? Do you think it's it's not? What, what do you think? I think Chiefs by three is pretty fair. I've heard the line is Bills negative four if Pat doesn't suit up for the game, which I think is also very wow. fair. I am actually more worried about that turf toe injury like you alluded to, Buffalo Mike, than I am the potential nerve concussion, whatever it is. Because I was telling Armando earlier on the podcast, if you want to go back and look at the games last year and Mahomes was kind of hobbled with his ankle because Cam Irving kept stepping on it, 
you know, we uh, we lost one where we couldn't generate offense to the Colts, and we had the tides turned early against the Texans that we couldn't come back off of. So I do agree, Pat's mobility is huge, especially with the offensive line we have right now who's not very good at pass protect. Ironically, better at opening holes for our running backs, I guess. So I have a question. Do you see any chance in this game that maybe the Chiefs could win again by running the football dominantly? I think what the Bills coaching staff has showed, really since McDermott and Leslie Frazier, defense coordinator, got here, but especially this year, is that they adapt really well and they learn from their failures. And I do not think, I think they're going to have a, I don't know if it'll be a completely different game plan. Play the, I don't think that they'll play that same game plan where they, be, the, I think they had six and seven defensive backs in the whole game, basically inviting the Chiefs to run. I just, I don't see it happening. I I think they're more likely to come after Mahomes and blitz him a little bit. You know, situationally, not not all the time, but situationally, I think that's more likely to be a little aggressive than than so uh, playing back off. You know, let them run all over him. Buffalo Mike, I don't know if you know this, but my name is is Hot Take Mondo on this podcast, <laughs> and and Hot Take Mondo is about to come for you, Buffalo Mike, because Ceh is about to have his second biggest game in his NFL career. On Sunday. Why? Because the last time he played the Buffalo Bills, he rushed for 161 yards against the Buffalo Bills. Who has been resting? CEH has been resting. Who is probably going to be back on Sunday? CEH. Who is going to be double covered on Sunday? Stefan Diggs. Breeland and probably Juan Thornhill or Tyron Matthew is going to double cover Stefan Diggs. Buffalo Mike, who is going to score touchdowns if the Kansas City Chiefs double cover Stefan Diggs? And you can also argue with me about CEH because I'm I'm trying to get some fire here, Mike. I'm you hot take Mondo. Interesting points, none of which I think um, are accurate. That's what so I like. Diggs has, Diggs has proved all year that it doesn't matter. I mean, he had 127 receptions, 1,500 yards on the over 1,500 yards on the year, eight touchdowns. He's been money. He gets eight to 12 catches a game, 100 plus yards, at least a touchdown a game. And you know, he it doesn't matter who you put on him, how many guys you put on him, he gets open. He's gonna he's gonna get his. He'll get his eight to 12 catches. Alaire will not run wild. I'm I'm interested to see if Clyde edwards Solaire and Watkins actually play. Um, I wanted to add, see if you guys knew anything about that. Yeah, I, I really um, hope he does. Well, the thing is, the Bills, you know, the Bills run game has been critiqued, and everybody's been saying they can't stop anybody. And both games in the playoffs against uh, Antonio uh, Williams is it for the the Colts, and then mm-hmm. definitely they shut down the the run game against the Ravens. I mean, Lamar Jackson had like thirty something yards. They had. I think 106 total yards of rushing or something like I think it was also bad game script for them too because Lamar wasn't running but they also weren't given to, to JK Dobbins I don't think it was that you guys were stopping them it was just that Jim Harbaugh was not running the ball and I was like what are you guys doing Lamar Jackson is a running back he's not a quarterback like run the ball and they just weren't running it so I think it was just bad play call against you guys also Jonathan Taylor had a had a huge game against you guys what are you talking about 
that well total <laughs> they went for total like 472 yards 472 yards but like over 300 of it, of it came from philip Rivers. was passing oh, okay yeah, yeah, I, yeah i got another question to bring up here we're talking about you know these players making a surprise run and we didn't face this guy the first time we played there are two players in the Chiefs that I think could be big difference makers in this game, particularly as you alluded to with Stephon Diggs playing the way he is, is that the first time we played in week six, we didn't have our best cover linebacker, Willie Gay, as well as our developing shutdown corner, Legereus Sneed. Both were inactive for that game, and as they've both been playing recently, I'd be interested to see if they can make a difference in at least slowing down Stephon Diggs, or maybe... You know, Sneed's really good at poaching balls, uh, you know, out of midair when there's not a play there. So maybe he can capitalize on Allen not taking a read correctly. So this is the thing that's interesting about Allen and Mahomes is they're they are so similar in in how good they are this year, at least against man coverage and the blitz. I think last year uh, Allen was blitzed the most of any quarterback in the league, and this year he's last year, and then this year he's been the best against. The blitz, uh, the really the only way to stop them, con- I, slow them down. The best way to slow them down. Similarly, I think to slowing down Mahomes and the Chiefs. Again, you're not going to stop them, but slowing them down is playing a sort of zo- soft zone coverage, and then hoping you know getting a negative play early, then hoping you know they make a mistake on second or third down, and they put themselves in a in a tough spot on third down, or you know you 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 get a um, cheap three and out or something. So. I think all these defense can play a role in this game, but I think if it does, it's going to be a takeaway. Like I don't think I don't think it's going to yeah. come from the cover guys personally on either side of the. I think both quarterbacks are just I mean too good. I'd say this could be just like the 2018 AFC title game against the Patriots, you know, or maybe the first half it seems like wow we're going to get a defensive gridlock, and the second half it's like nah dog, straight up Mad Max Fury Road on offense. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> you know the the. Uh, I do not like agreeing with Buffalo Mike, but I will end the segment saying that Josh Allen has made the biggest strides that I've seen from any quarterback in the in the AFC right now. Like he made bigger strides than Lamar Jackson, Undeniably. bigger strides than Baker Mayfield. Like the both games that I saw, yes, he played well. He played well under pressure, which we didn't see last year, which is why last year and the first game, we just owned Josh Allen. But then Josh Allen started making really smart decisions, obviously as Stefan Diggs. And I actually really hate that I like the story behind Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. So apparently, I don't know if you guys know this. I mean, it's it's actually pretty crazy because because Stefan Diggs and, and Josh Allen did not have a lot of practice time. And because of COVID, they, they really couldn't have a lot of practice time. So, so Stefan Diggs went out of his way to find out what Josh Allen did in his free time and found out that Josh Allen's a huge Call of Duty uh, fan and Josh Allen just learned how to play the game so that he can talk to him like via Xbox Live and create a relationship from playing video games because they just didn't have enough time to create that relationship on the field in practice. So that's actually pretty that, that's actually a really cool yeah, story. Yeah, that's a cool story. Um, which I don't like. <laughs> can I ask you guys a question too? Yeah, shoot. Of course. Because you guys are like living on the you know top of the world like Patriots fans for the last twenty years now. Anything are is you, possible, one, Buffalo Mike. <laughs> anything, anything. Yes. I, <laughs> so one, are you at all? Do the Bills make you at all nervous? And two, what do you think your key, the keys are for the Chiefs to win? 
Man, I'll jump on this one first. I think first off, obviously the Bills make me nervous. I think even if we had 100% Patrick Mahomes going to this game, I'm like, wow, this could turn into a shootout potentially. That was always an option. Now the fact that, you know, like our best weapon is going to be hobbled to some degree, you know, it's like obviously that levels the playing field even more. And since, you know, home field really isn't a thing having 15,000 fans in the stadium, I mean, obviously mad respect to the Buffalo Bills this year. So I think keys to the game is going to be the offense being able to put up points and being able to continually put up points. This is probably the first time we've played all year that it's not going to be okay to be like, ha ha, we scored 17 points in one quarter and then we sit on it for a half. It's like, no. Yeah. Everyone says, well, you know, you got to beat the Chiefs to 30. Well, this is the first team that could beat the Chiefs to 30. So I think that's going to be the key to the game is, is the offense scoring and continually scoring and also, Harrison Butker not missing any PATs. <laughs> yeah, no no kidding, no kidding. I think it's two things, and I kind of alluded to this as well. I think that um, we have to double cover Stefan Diggs because isn't Cole Beasley um, injured, Mike? Or is he? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's hobbling. Oh, is he? Yeah, well, he, he's been playing. He has a knee injury, but he, I mean, he looked like he could barely walk in the first game, and I don't think he had a catch this week, so... The weather was bad, so that could have something to do with it. Jeez, I didn't know that. That's that's pretty big. Dude, Cole Beasley can ball. That guy's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cole yeah. Beasley's been playing really great, and I actually on Cole Beasley this year. I was like, who's this dude? Because there's actually someone here that's close with a friend of mine and Colorado Springs. Anyways, a huge Bills fan as well. And and they love Cole Beasley. And I was like, why do you love Cole Beasley? Like, it was, he was a fourth stringer in, in, uh, in Dallas. But dude has been playing this year. So because he is not playing well, I think that's a big deal. So I think keys to the game is forcing Josh Allen to pass it to someone that is not named Stefan Diggs. If we can actually control Stefan Diggs. I don't think you guys can beat us with Croft, with you know a hobbled Beasley, with um, with Brown, Singletary, Davis, and you Dawson Knox. and and you guys also don't have Zach Moss. We have some dogs: Dawson Knox, <laughs> Gabe Davis, John Brown. <laughs> I think one thing we not nobody here has mentioned yet either is what happens if one of the other team's defenses just steps it up and locks it down. Do you guys see that being a possibility for either side? Armando says no. Like I said, I don't see that happening from a game plan, but I could see a, a key turnover happening that changes the game. Like, I mean, last week the Bills really closed it out because of that pick six, you know, in the end zone. Like that, the, it, yeah. Baltimore was about to go down and score and make it 10-10. Otherwise, it's a totally different game. I mean, Cleveland was really only in the game still because of that interception that uh, Henny threw, Henny thing threw. Anything is possible, dude. I think that the uh, the the Chiefs have played some of the best defenses in the NFL this year compared to previous years. I think the Chiefs have played some really great defenses. And I'm sorry, Buffalo Mike, but the Buffalo defense is not what the Buffalo defense used to be, especially 2019-2018. I think this is a different defensive team that is not ranked one of the elite defenses anymore. So I think we've seen like all the elite defenses that we could have seen, and we've done really well against them. So even if this whatever that dude's name is comes back in milano even if even Bad if milano. Alyssa milano comes in there and and just destroys i don't think that's going to be enough 
to stop us and vice versa i think that our defense can stop your running game i was i was trying to say you guys don't have zach moss anymore and that's kind of a big deal if you guys just run with singletary i think that our defensive line with chris jones frank clark and maybe some other guys like Treshawn wharton or maybe some like you know a sneaky sack by legerius need can stop if we stop your running game it's over buffalo mike it's over. The thing is, we don't run the ball. In the first half last week, we had twenty plays, nineteen were called pass or twenty were called passes, and only one run. But that was also specific to the Ravens because the Ravens stopped Derrick Henry. So I think that the that you guys were just like, all right, like we're just going to abandon that. And look, like the Ravens weren't great last we've, we've week. Been, I'm just saying we've abandoned the run all year. We'll Ravens see, suck thing, last week. One one uh, one stat I want to throw out there though to you, Armando. Um, well, and Reese, it's it's, it's hot take Mondo to you. because you brought this up. Strength of schedule. We have the fifth toughest uh, uh, strength of schedule in the NFL, and the Chiefs have the 20th. We also have a better plus minus, and we've won eight games by 10 plus points, and you guys have won zero by 10 plus points. Though I mean, those are those are stats that are provably like, analytical stats that usually equate to it. You guys have a good plus minus too. I think it's like one ten or something. But That's what I've whatever. been waiting for, Buffalo Mike. I've been waiting for the controversy. Finally, you bring it, Reese. What is your response? Man, I, I, it's it's so funny. This entire game and debate right now has been like the Spider-Man pointing meme. You know, the whole anything you can do, I can do better. Because you're talking strength of schedule, which, you know, I, I, I'm i surprised the Chiefs' strength of schedule was that low considering we went 7-0 and on the road against playoff teams, including but not limited to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, and now I'm brain farting on everybody else that are the Buffalo Bills included. Oh, Bills, the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. And, and we won all those. So it's like I'm surprised our strength of schedule is so low when we're like the only team in NFL history to do that. So maybe and I, I don't feel like we played. Well, we got the Jets. The Jets single-handedly brought down our strength of schedule, those sons of guns. Totally. Probably. But we played them twice. Oh, crap. He's got a point. We played them twice. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> Buffalo Mike. Oh, jeez. Did you play yeah, the so, Jaguars? That would help with that, too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is, that's so bizarre. But, so, But, Mike, Buffalo Mike, I'm going to throw another stat at you. We are 3-0 and against the remaining teams in the playoffs. And Andy, and, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't McDermott part of the Andy Reid coaching tree? Is. Andy Reid owns Sean McDermott. It's a well-known fact that Andy Reid has a self-destruct button chip inside all of his former assistant coaches' heads. So <laughs> at any given point, this game think, gets out of hand. He's going to click the button. I think Sean McDermott, I, I, I don't don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure he's one and one against Andy Reid. Did you guys beat us last year? Yeah, No, the uh, this is back before Mahomes in tw- would have been 2017. It was the only other time uh, we played here. Mm. Yeah. Alex, Wait, did, did have we not? Did we didn't play Josh Allen last year? No, no way. I have. A, I thought we've been playing Josh Allen our whole life. No, 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 no. I've no. just been looking through the sidelines, being like, we can beat that guy. We've been playing the Patriots our whole freaking life. Oh my gosh, it was so nice not to have to play them on the schedule next year. All right, Buffalo Mike. Anything else that you want to contribute, or anything? Any stats you missed? Because I know you, you, you love your stats, <laughs> Buffalo Mike. I do. I'll just leave you with this, though. Um, <laughs> in Buffalo, they love to count us out, but uh, we like being underdogs and um, taking it one game at a time. Two more. We got two more. Is all we need. I think you guys are gonna be. Uh, I think you guys are gonna be um, unpleasantly surprised. 
Buffalo Mike on air. Should we make a little wager, perhaps? Oh gosh, you know, these never the- end well. Um, and and then Reese, I'm I'm kind of throwing you into this wager, but but I can contribute to the wager. Can we maybe bet a Kansas City beer versus a uh, not a Buffalo beer because I know you're in Manhattan right now, Michael. But but how about your beer of choice versus our Boulevard beer of choice? So I, so I send you guys a beer if you guys win, and vice versa. Vice versa. There you go. So, so Reese, I will contribute to the pot, and uh, we can we can get Mike a nice beer because because uh, Mike is also in the uh, beer alcohol industry just just as we are. So Mike can get us a nice. I don't know other half maybe other half brewing. We should we uh, sure love some other half on this. I don't think I'll have to do it, but we can we, we can. Uh can make that deal for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. There you go. One. All right. So if the Bills win, we will send Buffalo Mike a nice four pack or something from Boulevard. And if the Chiefs win, Mike will send us a tasty other half four pack. Deal. It's on. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support. So consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to Buffalo Mike for joining the conversation today, as well as to Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.